This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hey, this is Corey Smith, artist of Magnus Robot Fighter, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat under Omaha, welcome to episode 154 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, March 12th. Good God. <laughs> My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein when I'm not living in a world predicted by J.J. Abrams where planes just go missing in time and space. I'm writing a comic speculator blog for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter and when I'm not sure that everyone aboard Malaysian Flight 370 have been in purgatory this whole time. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of the upcoming hit webcomic series. If he ever gets it. The Untold Tales of the Two-Headed Nerd. Listen. Is it too soon to make lost jokes? Is it too soon? Yeah, probably. Probably. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of Captain Marvel number one and Magnus Robot Fighter number one after that. We'll review 10 more of this week's new comics during an old-fashioned pie-eating contest for our ludicrous speed round, and then we'll retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Morbius is going to help us file our teeth into fangs while we discuss next week's comics, and then the comic butchers are back, sipping on coke and rum and dealing highly addictive comics to your children. But before we set up tent cities to occupy Amazon.com until they kill the plan to raise the price of Amazon Prime, because 20 bucks is 20 bucks, buddy. Let's take a moment to recognize and celebrate International Pie Day. That's P-I-314. Get it? I get it. Yeah, boy. I haven't been dealing with that all day. And then we'll talk about this week's big news. We got big news. With Captain America, the Winter Soldier, exactly three weeks away as Can't of wait. today. I'm so excited. I know, right? The Disney promotional machine is in full swing. Enough clips have hit the net to piece together an entire film, and the cast is being kept plenty busy doing interviews. Newsarama managed to speak with the Winter Soldier himself, Sebastian Stan, who, who has two first names, I might Sebastian <laughs> Stan, just like Joe Patrick, who revealed that he has a nine-picture deal with Marvel. The actor was tight-lipped. I wrote that in all caps. The actor was tight-lipped regarding any further details, but the implication is that the Winter Soldier will play a huge role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the years to come. Meanwhile, The Hollywood Reporter has written that Captain America 3 will be released on May 6th, 2016, which would have placed it squarely in opposition with Zack Snyder's upcoming Batman vs. Superman. However, and this is the only place I've seen it, <laughs> Brazilian website Judao <laughs> has reported that Judeo <laughs> Brazilian website Judeo has reported that Warner Brothers has moved the Man of Steel sequel up a week to April 29th. Now, Matt, if that's true, and I doubt it is, do you think Marvel won this game of chicken? And does Sebastian Stan's nine picture deal say anything about Marvel's plans moving forward? Okay. I think Marvel did win this game of chicken. Now, it should be stated no, that we don't know. Marvel yeah. has had like a lock on that date yeah. forever. They just didn't say what it was going to be until now. I think this is a matter now. of who's going to blink first. And it was DC that said, what's up, suckers? It's going to be Man of Steel Day. Yeah. And Marvel has now said, okay, well, our movie for that day is Captain America 3, your movie. Sure, go ahead. 
I think DC blinked, and I think it's a smart idea. But okay, I, don't think I have not seen any other mention. Yeah, no one else is saying that. Let's just go with that the fact that this is happening. Let's just go. They're, they're going to go head to head. Yeah, they're, they're going. That I don't think it's a good idea for them to go head to head, and they they do you will. Think it's bad for both of them. Yeah, I think it would take away. I think it would both do very well, but I think each one would do better without any competition that weekend. Right. And an opening weekend makes or breaks your film. It really does. Yeah, I I kind of agree. And And who knows, at the rate that the Man of Steel movie is going, it might not ever come out. (laughs) Because it seems to get changed every week. If either Marvel or DC is going into this intentionally thinking, well, up yours, competitor. I am going to see, we're going to see what happens. I think they're doing themselves a disservice. Yeah. And I tend to side with Marvel in this case because Marvel has always kind of had a lock on the first weekend in May for Free Comic Book Day and that whole I have no illusions that they actually do it for Free Comic Book Day. Probably not. Probably It's not. coincidentally times with a Free Comic Book Day. Now, as far as Sebastian Stan having a nine-picture deal... Okay, now... That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to make nine movies. No, 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 no. Yeah, just because he's just because he's got that in his contract doesn't mean they will definitely make right. nine movies. And maybe and, he's, he's popping up here and there. And also, right, that's lines. something I read today yeah. is that it's not also not necessarily nine, like... Starring roles. Sebastian Stan yeah. is now a member of the Avengers. He's now Captain America. Yeah. He's now the Winter Soldier's <laughs> leading the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Now, you know? Like they might just have him like cameo. He in becomes something. like the movie Wolverine, basically. <laughs> right. It's everywhere. <laughs> in TV news, details are emerging about some of the many projects DC has in development. First. Fans were given a taste of Grant Gustin in full costume as The Flash while filming the upcoming pilot episode. Gustin was filmed running and jumping through the streets of Vancouver (laughs) in a costume that is very reminiscent of the comic version. Meanwhile, NBC released an image of Welsh actor Matt Ryan in character as John Constantine. Ryan is sporting Constantine's trademark blonde hair, rumpled... Rumpled? Rumpled. Wrinkled trench coat. Rumpled like Columbo. Rumpled? Rumpled. Wrinkled trench coat (laughs) and loosened tie. The network also released the show's logline, quote, Constantine follows enigmatic and irreverent Liverpool con man turned occult detective John Constantine, who is reluctantly thrust into the role of defending our world against dark forces from beyond. Finally, Fox unveiled the logo for their new Batman prequel show, Gotham along with an official synopsis. Quote, everyone knows the name Commissioner Gordon. He's one of the crime world's greatest foes, a man whose reputation is synonymous with law and order, but not necessarily law and order. That's a different show. But what is known of Gordon's story and his rise from rookie detective to a police commissioner? What did it take to navigate the multiple layers of corruption that secretly ruled Gotham City? the spawning ground of the world's most iconic villains, and what circumstances created them. Dash, the larger-than-life personas who would become Catwoman, the Penguin, the Riddler, Two-Face, and the Joker. Joe. Wowzers. Do these projects show any promise, or did Warner Brothers just find out that they have a comic book division and scurry to get this to TV as fast as possible. (laughs) Listen, we reported that all of these things were announced months ago. I know, I know, I know. In reverse order. Start with The Flash. That's not reverse order. I actually am cautiously optimistic about Gotham. I wasn't sold at first on the idea that they're going to like shoehorn in the villains pre-Batman. Right. But if it's like 
here is the life of Selena Kyle before she becomes Catwoman or the life of Oswald Cobblepot. Like these guys were Gotham citizens. Like they're in the world. Sure, I guess. And surely like Oswald Cobblepot didn't just decide to become a supervillain. Like he was probably doing small time stuff or whatever. Edward Nigma. Like I'm cool with learning about their early lives. I don't want to go too far into it. I don't want to. I don't want the Joker. No, I, I don't, don't want. That's I dumb. don't want them to no. flesh out the Joker. That's stupid. He should be a mystery. I don't need it. I don't need to know. Like no. if they want to do like the Red Hood gang and he's running around, and, and if there's a guy that's like running around leading the Red Hoods, maybe. Eh. But I. They will not be able to resist giving us too much. This just kind of reminds me of that joke that Patton Oswalt told about the Star Wars prequels where George Lucas was a, like, hey, hey, you like Boba Fett, right? It's like, oh, yeah, Boba Fett's awesome. It's like, well, we've got him in this movie as a little kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Oh, <laughs> like, well, right. I don't give a shit about that. Yes. This is just like Batman without Batman. And I don't know. I find it really hard to get excited. But I think they're making Commissioner Gordon the star, and I think that that is compelling. I like Commissioner Gordon, and I like to I see like his rise and how, like, because Gotham is corrupt and how he kind of turned it around. And, sure. And became the man we know. So maybe I mean, yeah, maybe it's just me, but I think the most interesting thing about Commissioner Gordon is he lives in a world with Batman. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> whatever. Constantine, that Constantine. He looks great. Dead on. But I'll tell you what, and I'm not trying to be like stick in the mud here. You think that the DC Hellblazer is watered down? Wait till it gets to NBC. <laughs> I don't know, man. NBC puts out Hannibal. Yeah. That okay. stuff's pretty sure. grisly. Do you, do you think anything, anything, that has happened in the old Hellblazer series is going to make its way to the TV show. All right. Like a mob boss is going to have a butt baby that ends <laughs> like, the world. I will know? say like, that we, no. we're not going to get Son of Man. <laughs> no. You know, we're probably not going to get Any stuff of the like Brian that. Azzarello stuff, certainly. Oh, my God. But if it's like a Supernatural, like the show Supernatural, if it's that level. That's exactly what it's going to be like. It's going to be X-Files meets Supernatural. I'm kind of okay with it. And it could be fine. It's just, and at least he's British and he looks the part. I'll give you that. It's a closer than what Keanu Reeves was. Right. So at the very least, they are close. Let's get to the meat of the matter. Right. Flash costume. Go. The Flash costume is very dark. It looks like adult pajamas. Uh, now, <laughs> here's my biggest complaint. I think it looks... It looks th- like a onesie. <laughs> I think it looks good on him. I think that it's cool that they're actually putting him in costume as opposed to what they did in Arrow, which yes. is like dress him in a hoodie or right. or in Smallville where they went out of their way to say, Ugh. it's Aquaman, but he's in a yellow sweatshirt. Yeah. No, like he's in costume. There's no denying it. He's in costume. Well, it makes sense for him to be in costume too because he runs really fast and he has yes. to protect himself. Right. Except um, for his eyeballs, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine with it being kind of dark and real world version. It's got textures and, you know, grippies and and things like that and seams. You can see it. It's not like spandex. I get it. And I'm not saying that I want it to be slavishly devoted to the comic, but it's got so much red and not at all enough of the gold or yellow to yeah. break it up. That's that's exactly what I that thought. It's the same complaint I have with the new 52 Superman costume. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all, it's the sea of blue, mm-hmm. and this is a sea of red. And then the chest symbol, instead of being the yellow or gold lightning bolt on white, it's, it's bright red. Yeah. And that bothers me a lot. I didn't like it either. I didn't like it either. But I want to see it in motion. Mm-hmm. 
I think that it's better than I was expecting. No, definitely. I, I don't think he looks bad in that suit at all. It's just not the Flash suit that I pictured. It's not laughable. It's not like when Hawkman showed up on small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That was horrible. I think it's close. I, I think that the special effects and how he moves in it will make or break it. Yeah. It's just I'm not 100% sold on it. All three of these projects, I think they're looking better than they did when I first heard about them. I suppose. I'm just yet to see a good DC television project. That's all I have to say on the matter. You're not wrong. In comic news, DC and Dynamite have announced plans to publish a 12-part digital-first crossover between Batman 66 and The Green Hornet. The series will one. The series will run bi-weekly starting in June and will be written by filmmaker Kevin Smith and his Hollywood Babylon podcasting partner, actor Ralph Garman. Artist Ty Templeton will draw the series, and it appears that the storyline will be a direct sequel to the 1969 television crossover between the two characters, featuring the crime fighters team up against the villainous General Gum. Matt, are we ready to let Kevin Smith back into comics? And do you think he'll add any weird sex stuff and incontinence to this version of Batman? Oh, I'm sure he'll be farting and he'll have a boner or whatever. This is a 12-part digital first thing, and Batman 66 is a good place for Kevin Smith to do something because it's already silly and it's fun. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. Now, I'm going to break something here on the show. Oh, snap. A rumor that I heard. Oh, boy. While I was in L.A. Oh, no. With... A person who will remain unnamed to uh, protect it, their identity. Was it Ralph Garman? That works for Dynamite Comics. Ooh. This person told me, DC actively trying to buy Dynamite Comics. And news like this, I didn't think of anything of it when I heard the rumor. Because I was like, ah, that sounds kind of fishy, whatever. But then this pops up this week. And I go, hmm. Weird. So. Just throwing that out there. Are you sure that you want to reveal that on the podcast? I didn't name any names. Didn't name names. I'm just throwing out a rumor. How many her. employees do you think Dynamite has? Quite a few. They got a bunch of different guys that work for him and draw books and you know write stuff. Well, okay, but was he a staff member or a creator? I'm not going that far into it. I'm not going to out <laughs> anybody. Nice try. I'm not trying to out him nice either. Try. I'm just saying like the office staff is probably like five people. <laughs> uh, I could be, but I didn't mention who they were or what they did there. Huh. You said it was a guy. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, but I call girls guys, too. Ooh, touche. Anyway, I think it's a perfectly good spot for Kevin Smith to do this. I do, too. And actually, when I saw the news, I was kind of excited about it because I don't hate Kevin Smith. No, I don't, no, I don't hate him, either. I just got in a pretend argument with John Luttrell on Twitter because he was defending Batman the Whitening Gaia, which I think is a piece of garbage. But I think that this is kind of in his wheelhouse. I love the Batman 66 comic. I think it's great. I'm happy that it exists, and I loved when that show teamed up our uh, crossover with Green Hornet. So I'm in. I'm into it. Fair enough. And I love Ty Templeton. Love him. He's really good. He's really good. So there you go. Some positive DC news. That's the big news for this week. If you don't want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where John Luttrell from the Burt Wieners podcast is defending Kevin Smith's Batman right now and peeing himself a little bit while he does so. 
Every Friday, my podcast partner and actor Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in our THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at twittednerd.com. Joe, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question was courtesy of... I don't know. No, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I just... Dr. Flux. Nice. From the Feed It Comics podcast, also a member of the THN forums. It's true. What is the most ridiculous... Dumb, stupid, silly, whatever. Super villain plot you can remember. That's a good one. From comics, movies, TV, whatever. That's a good one. Stupid, super villain plot. Yeah. What's your favorite stupid? Like when the cow from the new Mighty Vows wanted to steal every left sock in Mouseville. <laughs> I suppose, but that's obviously done for a comedy. Right, right, right. It was Bill Ray, Ren and Stimpy fame. Right. It was like, great stuff. Lex Luthor wanting to steal 40 cakes is also probably... <laughs> Probably not. Uh, just 40, huh? Just 40 yeah, you know. because he was trying to help us ca- learn how to count. Oh, that's nice of him. Yeah. So you can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Your Skype panels, two at a nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Keep it under three minutes, yo. You'll get cut off. Or you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. But again, please be considerate of your fellow gang members and editors <laughs> and editors keep it short keep it concise if you need more time than that feel free to write to your heart's content at the two nerd forums under the question of the week section it's there i posted it today baby booyah now yes because all of you failed to listen last week what we are putting it in the podcast yes the cutoff time for mp3s and phone calls is 4 p.m central time on Tuesday, March 18th. No late calls. You understand? We put a couple in last week. It won't happen again. We're going to start getting strict about Don't it. Don't make us hit you. It's review time on THN where Matt has promised Fred Van Lente a good review in exchange for a scoop about Dynamite Comics. <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm sorry, Mr. Lente. You trusted me. I apologize. <laughs> My partner outed you. This week, I read Magnus Robot Fighter number one from Dynamite. It was written by the aforementioned Fred Van Lenty with art by Corey Smith. Who is... Fred Van Lenty is not the guy that said that, right? No, he wasn't. (laughs) Magnus is the second addition to Dynamite's gold key line, and it tells the story of Russell Magnus, a school teacher and martial artist. Russell? Yeah, (laughs) Russ, who lives in the near future. Well, you want... He should have more badass name. Right, like... Mac Magnus. Or <laughs> Russ lives in the near future where humans and robots live in harmony. So much so that humans completely rely on robots for almost everything. Magnus himself has an operating system that pretty much raised him after his father's death. Van Linty does a really great job here setting Magnus up without smashing in an entire life story that readers really don't need. We see him teaching his students and wondering if he has a higher purpose. He's kind of an everyman, just like you and me. About halfway through the comic, Van Lenty tears Magnus out of his utopian life and drops him into a further future New York where life is very different. He finds himself running from police robots who seems to rule over humanity. And this is where the robot fighter part comes in. He seems to have superhuman strength that he may not have been aware of. I read it as he's seeing weak spots. Is that what it is? That's what I saw. Like Karnak. Kind of, yeah, like because nope. it because it was like zooming in on like neck joints and stuff. see, I kind of saw that too. But he's still smashing through him with his bare hands, and he seemed kind of shocked when he did it. 
And I was yeah. like, he maybe didn't know he's as powerful as he is. That's how it came off to me. I, I read it more like Karnak, but who knows? Maybe it's both. It could be both. Yeah. Like Magnus, the reader isn't clued into much here, but the mystery of the Superman out of time is very well executed, and it's definitely going to bring me back for more. Smith's artwork here is not what I expected at all for this book, but I really enjoyed it. His style reminds me of Scott Collins, circa mid-90s, sort of the stuff he did on Flash, and the colors by Mauricio Wallace were so good, and they perfectly separate this story into two parts when they were back in sort of Human robot utopia, everything was warm and sunny and nice looking. And future New York crackles with energy and glows with light. Like the colors were almost ridiculous, but really, really well done. This issue was a much stronger debut than the Turok issue that I reviewed, and really is a perfect place for fans new and old to meet Magnus Robot Fighter. And I'm not trying to throw Turok under the bus. I did like it, but reading this after reading Turok, it was really a much better start for the Agreed. Gold Key universe. They should have started with this. I'm giving this a huge buy it. I totally agree. I loved this a lot. And I have, just like Turok, I have never read Magnus Robot Fighter. See, I've only read a little bit. I remember when Mike McCone was drawn it way back. I can't remember who was writing it. And that was part of like the Valiant. Oh, the Acclaim. Yeah, Acclaim. Like when Quantum and Woody was going. Yeah, yeah. I've never read it. I loved this. Uh, from what I understand, the origin story is kind of similar. Like the he was like raised by a robot. Mm -hmm. The art was great. Yeah, I loved really that good. it started just somewhere and then took you someplace totally different. And you were just as shocked as as the lead character. And I like that they kept the character design pretty much exactly the same. He looks like the uh, way Magnus is always kind of. No, looked. Magnus wore a red miniskirt. Come on, <laughs> in the golden age, he did. Yeah, yes, <laughs> like, he did. They changed that later. But I really liked it. It's a huge buy from me as well. This is much more like it. I did not love Turok. I mean, like you said, I didn't hate Turok. I thought it was good. But this, this was, was much, much stronger. Yeah, this was great. Joe Patrick, tell us about another Captain Marvel number one. I feel like we just got one. This is, of course, from Marvel Comics, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by David Lopez. Here's your solicit, which I will read because I did not read it last week. Hero, pilot, Avenger, Captain Marvel, Earth's mightiest hero with death-defying powers and an attitude to match, is back and launching headfirst into an all-new ongoing series. As Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Carol Danvers, comes to a crossroads with a new life and a new romance, she makes a dramatic decision that will alter the course of her life and the entire Marvel Universe in the months to come. It's time to go higher, further, Faster! Somehow Hero Pilot Avengers wasn't an all -cast. Right. <laughs> and more in the most superpowered comic around. They just can't resist those all No, they can't. Kelly Sue DeConnick is back, taking Carol Danvers in a fun new direction. This issue starts with Carol in space, traveling with a group of alien strangers before flashing back six weeks to fill us in on how she came to be there. Carol has been a little off since the events of the Enemy Within storyline from the previous run, her memories were fragmented and she's been trying to rebuild the personal connections that she's lost. She's trying to figure things out, so the decision to take some time away makes sense to me, even if that time away involves escorting an alien refugee around the galaxy. The thing is, while Carol does spend the issue acting a little distant and reflective, DeConnick never really spells out why that is. I only inferred that previous events were the cause, but a new reader wouldn't know that. 
I was just thrown off because I put that twice. You know, I didn't read The Enemy Within. And I guess I didn't pick up on that so much. Like, I could tell she was a little off and strange, but I just figured it's, we're going to find out why. Sure. So. Now, on the other hand, Deconic makes this issue relatively accessible to newcomers. At least that's how it seemed. All you really need to know going in is that she's a superhero that knows the Avengers. Mm-hmm. The character, the characters brought in from the last round weren't used in a way that required a lot of explanation. And I also really enjoyed the unabashed comic booky elements like the fact that Carol lives inside the crown of the Statue of Liberty and that she has a kid sidekick of sorts, Lieutenant Trouble. Deconic has a knack for character dialogue, so even scenes that may merit more fleshing out are still compelling. Now, in general, I really like David Lopez as an artist, but I can't help but feel like he's been misplaced on this book. While the issue shines most during the interpersonal scenes and Lopez does a fine job, the series is heading for a drastic turn for the cosmic. Alien beings and landscapes, things that should look fantastical and otherworldly, come off as pretty generic. And if this series was going to be a Talking Heads drama, then I'd say Lopez was a good fit, but his work, to me, seems out of place in a cosmic setting. Overall, I'm happy Captain Marvel sticking around. I think it's an important book and a great gateway into the Marvel Universe for newer fans, male and female. I'm not going to begrudge the creative team for taking whatever sales bump a re- relaunch provides, either. And while I wasn't sold on the art, I also don't find it distracting or off-putting in the same way Dexter Soy's art was at the beginning of the previous run. So, I'm giving this issue a buy-it, with the hope that the story and the art will click eventually. You know, the art didn't bother me that much. I thought Lopez did a, a pretty damn good yeah, job. Yeah, that's here. just it. It's like, it's fine. He's a good artist. He's It's well executed. I just don't think he's the right artist for this book. Hmm. I, I guess I didn't. And that's a personal taste, man. Yeah, it didn't bother me so much. I really enjoyed this. Good. Like, I oh, put I'm it glad. down and I went, that was fantastic. And I feel like for the first time since maybe Brian Michael Bendis wrote Carol Danvers in Alias when she was friends with Jessica Jones and they were having lunch. This is like really, and I've read some of Kelly Sue DeConnick stuff, but not a lot of it. This felt like she has a real voice. She's a real person. Yeah. She's an actual woman. She's an empowered woman. She's comfortable in her skin. This is a fantastic female-driven comic. I loved it. Same buy it. Awesome. So that is a double buy it for both Captain Marvel number one and Magnus Robot Fighter number one. Of course, we want to know what you frequently relaunched heroines and karate badasses thought of these comics. So focus your chi and smash your computer with your opinions over at the this week's comic section of the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It's... It's time again for the annual International Pie Day Pie Eating Contest. This year, our reigning champ, Joe Patrick, will face the immovable blob, the fearsome digital Russian wrestler, Zangief, and the Legion's own Matter Eater Lad in a race to eat as many chocolate cream pies as humanly possible in the time it takes the two of us to review ten new comics during this week's ludicrous speed round. Joey, show me how the piggy eats, buddy. <laughs> Ludicrous speed! Go! Beasts of burden, hunters and gatherers, one shot from Dark Horse. Fat jokes, every chance he gets. That's not what that was! I'm happy to have more Beasts of Burden whenever Evan Dorkin and Jill Thompson can put it out. Beautifully painted artwork by Thompson and a great supernatural adventure by Dorkin that proves 
that even talking animal comics can be compelling. Huge buy it. Don't make any mistakes. This is not for kids. No. It's dark. Creepy stuff. It's dark and it's creepy. Talking animals get killed. Yeah, a lot of blood. The Crow, Pestilence, number one from IDW. I like the idea of setting a crow story in Juarez, Mexico, which is notorious for its corruption, murder rate, and sex trade. But the story here is so ham-fisted, it just comes off as silly. What could have been a poignant crow story looking at the real problems of Juarez gets bogged down in a tired story of a boxer who's paid to take a dive. Guess what? He doesn't for what seems to be no reason, and he gets crucified and then forced to watch his family raped and murdered. Come on. (laughs) It's like not bad art here, but just a really cliched story. Leave this. Does this kid become Daredevil? Because that's the origin of Daredevil. I don't think so. (laughs) Spoiler alert. His kid gets shot in the face. (laughs) Nosferatu Horse, one shot from Dark Horse. Steve Niles and Menton 3, or is it Menton Cubed? Menton 3. He's just one man. (laughs) Unite for this vampire story that features one of the oddest cliffhangers I've ever read. I'll admit I'm not really the audience for this, but murky art, uninspired goth vampire cutouts, and the most ridiculous left field genre mashup have earned Nosferatu Wars a leave it from me. What was the genre mashup? You didn't say. That's because I didn't want to spoil it. Spoil it. Aliens come and kidnap the wife. Kidnap the vampire wife. And this is how... Okay. Here, so you, this is aliens versus vampires? Except it's not because it's a one shot. Unless there's going to be more, I can't fathom why this would happen. <laughs> they go through the whole thing and then at the end, aliens take the wife away and then the narrator, the husband says, and who would have ever thought that she would end up conquering that planet? But that's a story for another day. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Secret Avengers, number one from Marvel. This time, Zero Rider Ailes Cott gets a shot at the Secret Avengers, and he kills it here. The dialogue is smart, funny, and perfect for each character. Modok had some of my favorite dialogue <laughs> in here. It was so good. Yes. And Michael Walsh does a really nice job on art. He reminds me of Paolo Rivera, Tim Sale, a little bit of Michael Lark. Totally. This was fun. This was self-aware espionage, and I am looking forward to more. Buy this. I loved it. Avengers Undercover, number one. We got spies all over the place from hey, Marvel. Hey, this is the sequel to the criminally underrated Avengers Arena. This time, the survivors of Myrtle World infiltrate the Masters of Evil to rescue one of their own. Dennis Hopeless does a great job showing how each character is handling their trauma and how the public at large is reacting to the sensationalism caused by Arcade leaking the true story of Myrtle World out onto the internet for all to see. Great art by Kev Walker, a little on the cartoony side compared to Avengers uh, really? Arena. It seemed in parts. <laughs> I loved it, though. I'm excited to see where it goes. Buy it. The returning number one from Boom. Writer Jason Starr and artist Andrea Muti set up a great premise here about people returning from death, not as zombies, but as homicidal maniacs. Here we meet a girl that returns from death after a car accident, but doesn't seem to be a murderer. There's solid art for Moody here, but it was kind of hard to care about the main character. She just was kind of flat. Still, premise is strong enough that I will read more. Give it a skim it. Six Million Dollar Man, season six, number one from Dino May. The Six Million Dollar Man TV show was before my time, but it's such a part of the culture that even I recognize its trappings. I was giving them credit for setting this during the 70s, complete with open shirts and huge mustaches. Nice. But they lost me when they started actually spelling out 
the bionic limb sound effects like na 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 na. <laughs> I was like, I get it. That's awesome. I get it, you guys. The art is serviceable but unremarkable, typical of this type of licensed dynamite title. Steve Austin may still have his fans out there. I'm not really one of them. And this didn't do anything to convince me or turn me away. You better watch yourself or he's going to come give you a stone cold stunner. Uh, <laughs> skim it. Monster and Madman, number one from IDW. This is the story of when Frankenstein met Jack the Ripper, as told by Steve Niles, with art by a Ben Templesmith fan named Daniel Worm. Worm. I'm 50-50 with Niles, but this was a fantastically dark story that really humanized Frankenstein, and Worm's art was perfect. There was some lettering choices that were a little difficult to read against the really stark black and blue backgrounds, but any fan of Feel Bad comics will love this. I read this while listening to a band named Harvey Milk, and the only thing missing was heroin. Oh, God. That band is terrifying. <laughs> this is dark, brooding, and fantastic. I'm giving it a buy it. The other 50% Steve Niles was Nosferatu once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hawkeye, number 17 from Marvel. To call Marvel's handling of this book's delays disappointing is being too kind. They published number 16 before number 15 and are constantly shuffling the content for issues they've already announced. With the wait between installments, it's been difficult enough to follow the title's two main stories as they trade off from issue to issue. Now, Marvel has given us a completely disconnected fill-in issue full of talking animals. Ugh. A Christmas issue at that. <laughs> what? Whatever momentum the main story had, which was a huge cliffhanger, is com almost completely gone. I don't know if Matt Fraction's image success has caused him to phone in his Marvel work or what. Yeah, he kind of fell off at Marvel. What's going on? I'm giving this issue a skim it because, taken on its own, it's still a fun story with great art by Chris Iliopoulos, but this book has derailed big time. Ooh. Yeah. That's too bad. And what's worse is that, like, I was behind, so I read them in the issue they were, in the order they were numbered, not the order they came out. So... For me, it's been like two chapters of fill-in since the cliffhanger. Weird. Yeah. Stray Bullets, Killers, number one from Image. You think Matt Fraction is dead and Marvel's trying to cover it up? No. Okay. David Lapham's Stray Bullets picks up right where it left off, this time featuring an awkward young boy that follows his dad to a strip club and finds himself in the middle of a murder mystery that he cannot begin to understand. I loved the original Stray Bullets series, and the dark, realistic, fearless tone here hasn't changed at all. This was excellent. I couldn't be happier to have Stray Bullets back. Don't look for a happy ending here, but buy it. Krawumph! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Krawumph is the sound of Frankenstein kicking in a door, as seen in this week's issue of Monster and Madman number one. Recently, Matt got called out on the internet for being culturally insensitive, or perhaps just a flat-out racist when it comes to vampires. After a week of press conferences and apologies to the vampire community, I convinced Matt that we should just go to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, call our friend Morbius, and have him come over and file Matt's incisors into fangs as a show of support for vampires everywhere. I hate this idea. We can even talk about next week's comics while he does it. Now, Matt. Let's put an end to this ugly chapter. Tell me what you're excited to read next week. My pick for next week is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season 10, number one. This is written by Christos Gage with art by the amazing Rebecca Isaacs. I love her. 
Here's your solicit. New season, new rules. The age-old battle of Slayer versus Vampire is the focus of Buffy's life once again. It's downright nostalgic. But with all the toying with magic she's done lately, this girl should know it's time for another game change. Shouldn't she? What? Man, I love Buffy comics. I love Buffy. I love Rebecca Isaacs and Christos Gage. Total badass. Thumbs up. Excited for this. All around. Joey, what are you reading? I hate to keep picking Marvel comics. I really do. I don't want to pick Marvel comics every week, but they keep coming out with great number ones every week. And they keep sending us checks. It's Daredevil number one (laughs) from Marvel Comics, written by Mark Wade with art by Chris Somney. Here's your solicit. Brace yourself. Because you demanded it! Join Marvel's fearless hero as he begins his most awe-inspiring adventure yet in the sunny city of San Francisco. Gifted with an imperceptible radar sense and a passion for justice, blind lawyer Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, protects the (laughs) Golden City streets from all manner of evil. But big changes are in store for Matt Murdock as old haunts and familiar faces rise to give the devil his due. Hold on tight, because here comes Daredevil, the man without fear. I love Daredevil. If we need to tell you that you need to read Mark Waid's Daredevil, you have not been listening to this show. That's right. And if you've not been listening to the show, you need to read Mark Waid's Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a new number one. Mark Waid is an amazing writer, and yeah. he is not going to let you get onto a new number one without giving you everything you need to know that'll love it. It's true. Now is your chance... Buy Daredevil number one. Don't miss this one. It's going to be great. The THN trade of the week is... Listen, dummies. It's Saga Volume 3. We're tired of telling you all these things you should already know. Image Comics, Brian K. Period Vaughn, Fiona Staples. Come on. Get on it. Volume 1 is $10. Volume 2 is like $12 or $14, however much Volume 3 is only $90. Volume (laughs) 3 gets you all the way caught up to issue 18, which was the last issue. There you go. Get on board, suckers. Now is your chance. Jump on this series. You aren't going to regret it. As always, we want to know what you're looking forward to reading next week. So, write it on a wooden stake and push it through our hearts over at the THN forums. Now, uh, usually I don't do this, but uh, go ahead and break them off with a little preview of the remix. No, I'm not trying to be rude, but hey, Gamora, I'm feeling you. The way you wear that latex suit, when you kill the peeps you do. The way you're drawn by McNiven, trying to get you to ten up seven. Don't let Angie get you jealous, just because she's from heaven. So baby, give me that, let me give me that, up on me like I was Thor, flipping off the Nova Core while they say on the radio it's a sexy space mission. Drax is hitting ignition. Green girl rolling that body, got Rocket Raccoon here wishing, sipping on Coke and rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk. Before Thanos kills us, baby, I'm gonna have me some fun. Bounce, 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 bounce. That was so hot. <laughs> That was so hot. I'm so horny the right comic, now. I am so horny too. The comic pushers are back, y'all, and they're about to feed some highly addictive comic product to one squirming junkie. This week, a hopeless comic dope fiend from across the pond named Chris the British Guy asks, Greetings, nerds. Looking for a little advice. You're not going to try time. to read it in a British accent? No, like it was super annoying did. last time I did it. Right. I've been a comic reader for nearly three years now. In that time, I've enjoyed keeping up to date with many ongoing series from various publishers, but it felt most joyous when perusing a long-running series in large chunks. Through listening to your podcastic shenanigans, I was turned on to Invincible and then Fables. In a relatively short time, I've come up to date with both of these series, impressive in and of itself, Yeah, and their spinoffs, 
odds and ends. I was hoping you'd be able to point me toward another long-running series that I could gobble up. I do like the weekly comics run, but would love a chance to find an excellent series which I could read at a fast pace like I've enjoyed doing with the aforementioned titles. Pip-pip, Chris the Brit. Joe? You want to hit this one first, and I dare you not to answer Starman. Why would I do that? <laughs> Why wouldn't I answer Starman? Anything, anything else, buddy? All right, in listen. In fact, you know what? We're just going to put Starman like in the pantheon of things that are just great that Book, we don't need to talk about Books anymore. that we always recommend. <laughs> Chapter one, Starman. Yeah. Chris, just go buy Starman. Outside of Starman, I think we have a lot of greatest hits that I think we can recommend. Oh, big time. Uh, a lot of them will be from Vertigo, like Preacher. Absolutely. Why the Last Man, things that Vertigo perpetually keeps in print and, in fact, puts out new and nicer versions every so often. Sandman. Most notably, Preacher, about to become a TV show, it looks like. It's it's in development and whatnot. Not a bad time to read that series and catch up on it. Absolutely. So you can see what you're getting into and actually judge the show on the merits of the comic. One of my favorites of all time that I reread perpetually, Transmetropolitan by Warren Ellis. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfectly executed story with a beginning, middle, and end. You won't be disappointed there. If you're not doing it and you love Invincible, then you know Robert Kirkman is a very talented writer. You need to be reading The Walking Dead, sir. You need to pick up those volumes and you will burn through them. What about something a little off the beaten path that maybe we don't talk about a lot? What's what's a long-running series that's in print that... You know what? Um... Maybe of American Vampire. Oh, it's absolutely. Not a, it's not as long. It's about to relaunch with second volume or whatever. They took a break so yes. that he could do the wake. It's coming back. American Vampire second cycle is what it's called. It's all in trade. I think it's only four or five volumes. That sounds right. And so it's not a huge commitment to get you up to date to get on that story. I would suggest Rick Remender's Fear Agent, which is Ooh. totally in print. Everything's in print. And they just released a big, sexy hardcover version which I'm looking at right now on my I, shelf. I see it. It's volume one. It's very affordable. It's a ridiculous amount of pages. Great art by Tony Moore. Fun stuff, man. I would, in that same vein then, the Hellboy Library editions. Yeah. We, we, we recommend Hellboy and BPRD. BPRD a lot, but there's a reason for that. Now, there's way more BPRD stuff out there than there is Hellboy. Yes. So if you want to look at something to a, like a time investment, BPRD, That'll keep it busy for a little yeah. while. Yeah, and BPRD man. is like on their fourth or fifth extra-sized hardcover. And it's never been bad. Starting with like Plague of Frogs. It's just never been bad. I love it. If you've listened to this show, you've heard us talk about it time and time again. We absolutely recommend it. If you're looking for something maybe a little different, I would say you could check out Terry Moore's Strangers in Paradise. It's a good one. Or Echo, his superhero book. Yes. Or Rachel Rising, which is still ongoing, but it'll wrap up eventually. These are things that are absolutely told with a finite endpoint, and they have fabulous character arcs, very fully realized, and beautiful art by Terry Moore. It's a little off the beaten path compared to the stuff we usually recommend. It's true, but it, it, it's a good time investment and it, like a great book. But if you're looking for a good classic, yeah, like a long run, Strangers in Paradise is hard to beat. I wish that I could recommend something like Cerebus, but I've never read it. I have read Cerebus. It's not for everybody. But a lot of people love it. I love it. A lot of people really love it. I really loved it. It's not for everybody. In fact... And towards the end... Don't say that, it, because Keith Silva will come on and tell you how wrong you are. He's more than welcome to it. I'm not wrong. <laughs> Keith was just on Comics Therapy defending... Not defending, but singing the praises of 
Dave Sim and Cerebus. I love Dave Sim and I love Cerebus. I will say it did wander off to a very strange place in the end and it was not the... I did not feel so great. <laughs> but it. <laughs> you can read... It also ran for so long that you yeah. can read a huge chunk of it. A phone book size chunk of it. And get a whole lot out of it before yeah. deciding that it has gone off the rails and Definitely. that you're done. A lot of people, Silva included, would recommend is... A lot of the earlier stuff, like the church and state volumes, but I'm a completist. Not that I wouldn't bail from a story before the end, but right. I wouldn't start a story halfway through. I would start at the beginning and read that. So maybe, maybe I'll join you on that journey. Hey. And if you're looking for more talking animals, Stan Sakai's Usagi Ujimbo. It has always been fantastic, and Dark Horse has like the complete Usagi Ujimbo library in print. So wonderful. You will burn through them really really good rabbit samurai stuff it's just amazing i think that's enough right that's a long list of stuff for you there chris that'll keep you busy until next year (laughs) chris thanks for writing chap if you're looking for new series minis or storylines to read just email us with the subject line comic pushers or head over to the comic pushers section of the thn forums and tell us what you're into if you're lucky just lucky enough. Maybe the comic pushers will feed your addiction. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the zero mention of St. Patty's Day episode of THN. We did it! If you'll be drinking black and tans and doing your best Sean Cassidy impersonation all weekend too, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, where we still need your iTunes star ratings and reviews. Because like we said, we lost them. But we're getting more and more every week. It's awesome. We love a good Stitcher's thumbs up as well. And and now you can find us on your TuneIn Radio app. Hooray! We've been accepted, and we're there. I'm going to be doing my best David Cassidy impression. I'm going to do my best Black Tom Cassidy Ooh. Thanks to all of our donors. Yes, you said I'm going to do my best Cassidy from Preacher impersonation. <laughs> See? Come on! <laughs> Failure. Thanks to all of our donors, but huge love to our sustaining members. If you'd like to help keep us in beer and cabbage, you can make your donation in any amount using our boozed up little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. It's just a little tipsy. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. We call them micropayments. It keeps the lights on in the cigarette. We don't call them that. While you're there, you can find links to all our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this ridiculous amount of resources, you can defend your questionable comic taste in front of two-headed judge. For our Defender segment, you can submit questions for Ask a Nerd or ask us to review your self-published comic book, be it printed, digital, whatever. And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums, guys. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, make fun of Joe Patrick because he's scared of beer, or just rap about comics. I'm not scared of beer. It's just disgusting. He's scared of it. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, be sure to check out the Two Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribe to this show, you don't need to do anything. It will just magically show up in your feed every time we publish it. And sometimes it'll be two squished together into one. Just like this week when we had to take it down and re-put it up. I fixed it. If you need more... 
THN in your life, and who doesn't? Get over to twoeditnerd.com and check out the first installment of graphic materials by Darren Jensen. Hey, all right. New comics on the rocks by Cousin Chris. That sounds cool. Ludicrous speed reviews from Aaron Myers. Those can be a little upsetting sometimes. I'm upset just thinking about (laughs) it. I know, right? And the long-awaited return of webcomics a go-go by John Luttrell. Hey. Oh, and Saturday morning cartoons. Hey, it's like there's something almost every day. It's all at TwoHeadedNerd.com. All of it. Next week, we're reviewing Down, Set, Fight from Oni as part of our Take a Look, It's in a Book segment. A weekly shout-out goes to Hal Douglas, who is the guy with the voice in almost every movie trailer you can think of. Hal passed away this week at the ripe old age of 89. Word to you, buddy. And we hope you find yourself in a world where one man can rest in peace. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics, most notably on the subject of webcomics, Edison Rex, Volume 2. It's print next week. We reviewed Edison Rex, Volume 1, on the show. We loved it. I can't wait to read this one from IDW. It's super fun. And if you do pre-order it, your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is a two-headed nerd signing off. In a world where laughter was king. Uh, no in a world, Jack. What do you mean, no in a world? It's not that kind of movie. Oh? Okay. In a land that... No in a land either. In a time... No, I don't think so. In a land before time... It's about a comedian, Jack. One man. No. When your life is no longer your own. What, what does that mean? When everything you know is wrong. That's wrong. In an outpost. No. On the edge of space. No space. A girl. No. Two girls. No. Now. No. More than ever. Stop it. A renegade cop. I hate you. A robot renegade cop. You're fired. You're fired. No, you're actually fired. I'm fired. Charming young home.